It's important for us to remember as we're reading this, even though I, I really won't reference it much in the sermon, but it's important to remember that really this is still an outflow of, from verse 27, where he says, only let your manner of life, your, your citizenship in the kingdom, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Uh, and that really goes on down uh, quite a bit, probably all the way down through 18. But uh, we're going to take this, this passage out just a little bit. So with verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, since uh, Thursday, I've been asked by quite a number of people uh, what in the world I think is happening, uh, particularly in our nation, because certainly the outcome of the election on Thursday was not what most anybody had expected and certainly not what uh, Theresa May uh, expected seven weeks ago when she called for this election. And certainly we are aware that there are a lot of things happening in our nation. Now we have effectively uh, almost a hung parliament. We have uh, the Brexit talks that are, that are beginning. Uh, we have a, a lot of questions about the future of our nation, about the future of Europe, uh, what is happening. Uh, a number of people uh, in the, the business world, in the marketplace, have been saying that they're expecting a major crash perhaps this October. I was reading this week one guy, not a prophet, not, I'm not even sure he's a Christian, who was saying that he thinks October 12th uh, will be the day when uh, things start to happen. Uh, I don't know exactly why he makes that prediction, uh, but it's uh, pretty incredible. Uh, and it's very clear, regardless, that we are in a time of great unsettledness. I was talking to somebody in the States on Friday, and they said, well, can't you sort out your parliament? And I said, well, can't you sort out your Congress? I said, in fact, when you sort out your Congress, we'll sort out our parliament because the U.S. Congress is more dysfunctional than the, the British parliament. It makes me thankful that I, I'm British. I'm a British man. Uh, and, and it's crazy. It's a crazy time. And we don't know exactly what's going on except that God is taking us into a season where he's shaking everything that can be shaken in order to prepare people for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All of this can lead up to that time, and uh, frankly, people in our nation are so comfortable and so satisfied, even people who are struggling financially, there's still a great de degree of comfort and security in our nation so that people are not really open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so God is going to stir all of that up 
And God is going to prepare people so that when his spirit is poured out in power, many, many people are ready to hear and respond to the good news about Jesus. And the key thing is for us is to remember that we as his people are in his care. And as long as we continue to trust in him, and as I've been saying to the the youth here in Youth Connect this year, the the message, and not do anything life-alteringly stupid, we should be okay. God will protect us. It won't always be easy for us, but God is there. God is protecting us. And the election this week has reminded me of this text, uh, and also the, the, the time of unsettledness that we're in reminds me of this text and how to understand the election and how to prepare for this season of unsettledness, I think are all both bound up in the wisdom of Paul in this text, which is supremely about Jesus Christ. And in this text, we see in Jesus two things that are essential, that Jesus was emptied and Jesus was exalted. Those two words, emptied and exalted, are at the heart of what Paul is talking about with regard to Jesus. And so to understand Jesus' exaltation, we first have to understand his emptying. And so we see what Paul says. He says, you know, let this mind be among yourselves, which was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Paul here is saying that Jesus the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead, Jesus was fully God. The word, the idea behind the word form means that Jesus really, really was God. He really was God. Uh, I think one of the great parallels that we can, we can draw in our own minds, being in a monarchy as we are, uh, is that of, say, like Prince William, you know, who even when he was in uniform, he was still the prince. Now, so Jesus is fully God. He enjoys all the power and prestige and privilege of God. Jesus always was. He was always there. He was part of the creation of the world. Jesus is part of the Godhead, the eternal Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who has always existed and always will exist. Jesus is the sovereign Lord of the universe. He's the creator of all things. Jesus, before he was incarnate, before he became a human being, he enjoyed all the worship of the angels just like God himself would have done. Jesus was part of everything because Jesus was fully God. He had everything that God has. He was omnipotent. He was omnipresent, all-present. He was all-knowing. Uh, He was unchanging. All of these things that are true of God were true of Jesus. But Jesus did not consider this equality, this sameness, this being God, something to be held on to. The idea here is something that you hold on to, you grasp for dear life because it's to your advantage to do so. 
And Paul says that Jesus did not consider this equality with God, this being fully God, this having all the power and the prestige and the glory and everything that God had, he didn't think of this as something that he would hold on to for dear life, that he was going to hold on to and, and, and grasp no matter what it cost. But instead, Paul says, that Jesus chose to empty himself. To empty himself. This word means he he poured himself out. It's the idea of of where you you take everything out of something so that it no longer seems to be the same thing it once was. And so Jesus first chooses to empty himself, to pour himself out. In other words, he released all the power and the prestige and everything that God had, the worship of the angels, all of that. He released all of that. He released all of that and let it go. Now, he did not stop being God. He did not stop being God. He couldn't. But he let go of all the prestige, all the power, all the privilege of being God. It's extraordinary. He emptied himself. He emptied himself, Paul says, by taking the form of a servant. This form, morphe, means it's kind of like we get metamorphosis. It changed. And so Jesus empties himself and takes the form, this word servant here is actually the word slave. It's actually the word meaning bond slave. Slave for life. So this one who was fully God, who was God in every way, who had all the power and everything that God had, he empties himself and he becomes, he changes, he, he, he metamorphoses almost, if you will, into a servant, into a slave. Slave of his father, a slave of us. Being born in the likeness of men. Uh, now this doesn't mean that he was looked like a man but wasn't a man. The idea is that he was born fully as a human being. Can you imagine it? The infinite creator of the universe becomes fully incarnated in the body of a human being. Just like one of us. The writer to the Hebrews said that. Jesus was exactly like us, except without sin. I remember I got in so much trouble in my first church when I suggested that, pe- that Jesus had to use the toilet. People were upset. Boy, they were really angry with me. And I'm thinking, you know, what did he do? Did he walk around like this all the time? You know, a human being has to do that. But think about this. The creator of the universe using the toilet. It's unreal. It's amazing. It's unheard of. He had to eat. The one who was completely self-sufficient the one who had need of nothing, all of a sudden had to eat. And he depended on his mother Mary as a child for her breast milk, like every other human being. 
would do. He not only became a servant, it would have been one thing for him to to come down from heaven and, and appear to be a human being and serve people, but Jesus actually became a human being to serve people. He actually became like one of us, except he did not sin. And that's not all. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. You would have expected maybe he could come down and say, okay, I'm Jesus, I'm God incarnate, so I'll come and I'll be Caesar. Or at least I'll be the king of the Jews. Or at least I'll be a governor. But Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself as a servant. He humbled himself as a human being. He humbled himself, made himself fully dependent on his Father, made himself fully dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit by which to do anything. Jesus humbled himself completely. And he humbled himself even to the point of a shameful death on the cross. When Jesus hung on the cross, he hung on the cross as fully God and fully human. He hung on the cross naked. He hung on the cross in shame because that was a shameful way to die. Everybody assumed that he was guilty. They assumed that he had done something wrong because you don't hang on the cross unless you have done something wrong. He identified with all the sin and the sickness and the brokenness of us as human beings. He humbled himself all the way to die on the cross and sacrifice everything, even at a a point, even the, the sense of God's presence when he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus did all of this as an outgrowth of emptying himself. He emptied himself in this way. He emptied himself fully for us. And it's extraordinary and it's mind-blowing to think of what Jesus did. The sacrifice that he made. The way that he, he laid everything aside so he could become a human being. And even having to, to deal with the ignominy of living life as a human being, he dealt with the even greater ignominy of dying on the cross for you, for me. A death he did not deserve but a death he willingly chose as he emptied himself. The power of that self-emptying Jesus is extraordinary. It's amazing. And it's something that we can only begin, we can only begin to think of. It might be similar to a, a William deciding to serve in the army or a Harry to serve in the army and all of a sudden being, becoming a person who can be bossed about by generals and captains and, and other people. But even that doesn't even begin to touch the reality of what Jesus did. That was in his emptying of himself. And then, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Jesus empties himself and he dies on the cross and because of that self-emptying, God exalts him. God raises us up from the dead. 
God causes him to ascend into heaven. He's sitting right now at the right hand of God the Father. He is the ruler. He is the judge. He is the sovereign Lord of the universe. God exalted him, and he's given Jesus the name that one day every knee will bow, whether they want to or not, whether they acknowledge him or not, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess, the tongues of demons, the tongues of Muslims, the tongues of atheists, the tongues of everyone that has rejected Jesus, and everyone that has accepted Jesus, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. That's the power of his exaltation, the power that comes from God. God has raised him up, and God is exalting him, and God will ensure that all of history, as all of history flows, it will flow to the inevitable conclusion that Jesus Christ will be acknowledged King of kings and Lord of lords by everything in the universe. Every atom of the universe, every quark in the universe will acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ by the power of God Almighty. Jesus emptied Himself and God exalted Jesus. Emptied and exalted, Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is the reality and nothing that happens, no government can change that reality. No religion can change that reality. No atheist can change that reality. No evolutionist can change that reality. Uh, no, no terrorist can change that reality. No government can change that reality. No church can change that reality. No human being can change that reality. Nothing can change the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we live in that reality we survive in that reality. We thrive in that reality. And we know that our lives, our destiny, everything that we have and everything we are is going toward that reality to exalt Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of God who is our Father. And that's extraordinary. And it excites me. And I love it. But you can say, well, okay, that's great. We all believe this. But what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with us? What did Paul say? He said, have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Understand for you and your reality, the exact same thing that Jesus himself understood. You see, Jesus is not only our Lord, Jesus is also our example. And Jesus is our example, and we can live in this example because of the reality of the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. We are called to live our lives in the way that Jesus lived his life. And we learn from the, the elections in this past week that God is able to exalt whom he wants to exalt and bring low whom he wants to bring low. We learn that God is the one who is in control. 
But we learn that we need to live the life that Jesus lived. We need to follow the pattern that Jesus followed. Which was this. Emptying ourselves and being exalted. You notice in the pattern of Jesus, Jesus chose the emptying, willingly chose to empty himself, but God the Father chose to exalt. Jesus empties, the Father exalts. Jesus empties, the Father exalts. And that is the call on our lives as well. We are called to empty ourselves. We are called to empty ourselves as Jesus emptied himself. Now, we're not God. We don't enjoy all the power and everything that Jesus did as God. But we're human beings created in God's image. And as human beings created in God's image, we come, we all have our hopes. We all have our dreams. We have our desire to to think well of ourselves, uh, 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 wanting a personal sense of pride, not in a sinful way, but in a healthy kind of way. We want relationships. We want to have healthy relationships. We want to have some control in our lives. We want to experience the good things of life. And you know, a lot of these things, they're not necessarily bad. They're not necessarily sinful. Now, there are some sinful things that we have too. There are sins in our lives, and each one of us has a sin that we kind of cherish. It's the sin that if God asked us for everything, we'd kind of hold behind our back and give everything else to him. And I don't know what yours is. I don't always even know what mine is, but I know that we all have it. And so this emptying can involve things that are good and things that are wrong. But the call is this. If we are to have the mind of Christ, if we are to experience the exaltation of the Father, then we must make the same choice that Jesus did to empty ourselves. We empty ourselves of our hopes. We empty ourselves of our dreams. You know, for, for us, you know, it, it can be a number of different things. For Karen and me, one of the things we had to empty was the desire to have children. Another thing was uh, uh, the desire to have uh, a really large church. That was part of my desire at one point in time. But interestingly, I was in Germany this past week and meeting with a friend there, a new friend named Michael. And one of the things that Michael said, he said, Rod, if you were a pastor of a big church, I wouldn't trust you. But I know I can learn from you because you're someone who is like me, only you've been there, you've gone through the suffering, you've walked the way, and you've thrived in the midst of it. But we had to empty ourselves of that. There were lots of hopes and dreams that we had that we just had to lay down before the Father. There have been many relationships that we've wanted to hold on to for dear life, and we've had to empty ourselves. There have been many preferences that we've had, many things that we've enjoyed that have not been bad things, but we've had to set them down. And all all through the years, there's been many things, many sin, many wrongdoing, many preferences, many attitudes and things, and what we had to do was empty ourselves. One of the most powerful things that Paul says to husbands in Ephesians is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. What is he talking about? He's saying, husbands, you've got to empty yourselves just as Jesus emptied himself. A lot of people, a lot of guys I talk to say, well, I'm willing to die for my wife and I'm willing to die for my family. But the question is, are you willing to live for your family? 
You know, women don't need husbands who are willing to die for them. Women need husbands who are willing to live for them. I know a lot of churches, a lot of churches were uh, led by pastors, uh, you know, who say, I'm willing to die for my church, but they don't live for the church. They don't live to love the church. They don't honor the church. They don't care for the church. And you can go on and on and on and example after example after example. How many times do we want a friendship? Because we say, I, I need a soulmate. I need somebody who understands me. I need somebody who can help me when I fall. I need somebody uh, who can be a companion to me in, in difficult times. Do you notice how each one of those sentences begins? Begins with the word I. And I challenge you and say, if you want to have a friendship that goes the distance, you've got to empty yourself for the sake of that friendship. That's what Paul is talking about. He's challenging us to have the mind of Christ. It's okay to have the hopes. It's okay to have the dreams. It's okay to have our needs met. It's okay to experience love. It's okay to enjoy our lives, to enjoy our food. It's okay to enjoy our friendships. It's okay to go for things, to have ambitions in life. But ultimately, we have to be willing to say, okay, I will empty myself of all these things and I will become a bond slave of love to everyone around me and I will humble myself and make their needs more important than mine, even if it means that I have to hang shamefully on the cross for the benefit of other people. People, this is the kind of thing that I'm going to embrace. And this is the challenge for us, and it's a challenge that so few people, especially Christians in the world, are willing to take up. We must choose to empty ourselves. But here's the promise. The pattern is there, and this is what Paul is pointing to, that as we choose to empty ourselves, God the Father chooses exaltation. When we willingly go to the cross, it's God the Father who raises us up. When we willingly lay down hopes and dreams, it's God the Father that restores new hopes and dreams to us. When we willingly let go of relationships with people walking away, it's God the Father who can lead us into new relationships. When we willingly empty ourselves to serve other people and to love other people and to sacrifice for other people, it is God the Father who works just as He did in Jesus to bring exaltation at, that, at the right time. And the day will not come when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that we are Lord. But the day will come when every knee bows and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as Paul says, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So we will surround our brother Jesus and Jesus is exalted, but we'll be seated with Christ in those heavenly places. We will rule with Christ. We will reign with Christ. We will be exalted with Christ to the glory of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the honor of God our Father. And this is the pattern for us to live as Christians. And this is the pattern that Jesus lived. And this is possible for us. Because Jesus is in us by His Holy Spirit. And even though we're broken and we fail so many times, God is determined to work in us just as God worked in His Son Jesus. Because if you are in Christ, you are a son of God 
every bit as much as Jesus is a son because you've been adopted. Whether you're a man or a woman, you've been adopted as a son in Jesus Christ. And together we are the bride of Christ and we're, as Christ's bride, we're part of the divine family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's extraordinary, it's amazing, it's magnificent, and it's humbling. But it's real. And it's real, not because we've been good people and we deserve it. It's real because Jesus deserves the exaltation. And our Father deserves the glory. And when we're seated with Christ, after emptying ourselves, when God the Father exalts us, it all points to Jesus and the glory and honor of Jesus. What is God calling you to empty out of your life? How is God calling you to empty yourself? I'm so proud of this church because I know your I know your lives and I know how many of you have emptied yourself perhaps it's been of a job so you could take care of a child or it's a dream so you could connect in a relationship or it's a special desire that you've set aside so you could serve the Lord more fully Jesus will be exalted in us and through us. And in London, the Father will receive his glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you, we exalt you, and we praise you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you emptied yourself, taking the form of a servant, being found in human likeness. Jesus, thank you that you humbled yourself and became obedient all the way to death on the cross. Father, thank you for not leaving Jesus dead in the ground, but on the third day for raising Jesus from the dead and causing him to ascend into heaven and seating him at your right hand. And Father, we look forward to the day, the day that we know will come, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess to your glory, Father, that Jesus Christ is Lord. May this reality be seen in our lives, the reality of emptying and exaltation, all to the glory of Jesus. For we pray it all in his name. Amen.